Hey, everybody. Welcome into Job Search Guide here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Now, on Job Search Guide, we bring you advice and strategies that you can implement in your quest for a new position. Of course, we do that by speaking to a number of experienced professionals who do focus on these key issues. In this episode, we're looking to help you think a little backwards by getting the perspective of a headhunter. What are they really looking for and where do job seekers often come up short? To fill us in on those blanks, we have Jim Gimateo joining us from Texas. Jim has been a headhunter for 30 years, having conducted hundreds of searches and been involved in just about every process of finding that right talent. Jim, it's great to have you on with us. Same here, Tim. Thanks for having me. Great. Definitely, definitely a pleasure having you on. And before we get into the details of what we're talking about, we always like to give our guests a chance to sort of uh, fill in the listeners where you're coming from, what your perspective is like. So uh, if you could briefly describe your professional experience, and that would help us out a bit. Absolutely. Uh, so as you, as you said, I've been a headhunter for 30 years now. Most of that has been in two different industries, the high-tech industry originally, and then more recently, the biotech and medical device industry. But headhunting and job searching really is universal. All of the same things that apply to one industry really apply to the other. So the tips, suggestions, things that go wrong uh, are across the board. Sure. Now, I guess that's the first place to start, really, is you you call it a headhunter, you hear recruiters. I guess, how do you define your role as a headhunter, and, and is it different than what would somebody, somebody would term as just a recruiter? Uh, no, no. I think uh, originally, I think a lot of people use the word headhunter as a derogatory term, but sure. it, it's, they're really all the same. I, I mean, I don't care what somebody calls me. <laughs> so, you know, there are two basic types of uh, recruiting, and that's retained search and contingency search. Uh, there are some other branches, but but the retained search are normally for the higher level jobs, and that's a guaranteed contract with a company to go out and find someone. The contingency is the headhunters or the recruiters who work for the companies the same way, but they only get paid if they fill the job. So okay. there's there's a slight difference, but but the process is all the same. Right. You know, basically a company contacts us to fill a job, and and we go out and try to find the people. And that's really, you know, as you said, that, and that's the, the meat and potatoes of it is we want to find out what are you looking for? Where do those job seekers maybe, uh, maybe they're weaker in, in one aspect. It's a common mistake, that sort of thing. And I guess that's the, really the first area to jump into is if you are given that task of finding, a, you know, the right talent, the right fit, what is that first thing you're really focusing on when you're trying to find that candidate? Well, I'd say there's two things here. There's a kind of a an underlying factor in that a lot of times when we get a search, and, and whether it's with a headhunter or whether it's on their own, companies don't always know what they want when they start out. Okay. And some sometimes they don't really know exactly what they need until after they've seen a few candidates. Now, now that's not good, but it's a fact of life. Sure. So our first job really is to work very closely with the clients and, you know, make sure that that we have a clear understanding of exactly what they need in terms of not just technical specifications, but the type of person. And then once we have that, then it's a process of going out and finding the person who has the skills, but also finding the person who fits the personality type. So, you know, it it might be a, a person who fits the culture of that particular company because they are very different, or it might be somebody, you know, they might say that we absolutely have to have uh, great communication skills, or we have to have something on the soft side of skills. Hmm. I mean, is that a more difficult thing to gauge in terms of what that person might be like, or what their soft skills versus, you know, just seeing on a resume, this is what they've done, this is what they can do, this is their experience? 
Exactly. And and it makes it, that's all the more reason why the resumes have to be, it's critical that they convey the skills and the accomplishments of the person because you don't want to get screened out of your skills. That's the only chance you have of, you know, getting in for the interview and then being able to show what you can do to the company. Right. So there, there are a lot of people that will fit the necessary requirements for any particular job. There aren't nearly as many that are going to fit the soft skills or the personality factors that the company has in mind. All right. Well, I mean, we'll come back to the soft skill idea, but since you brought up the resume and that's something people often, you know, they spend so much time on and they fret over and they're never sure if it's right. And uh, obviously it's it's an important aspect of all this. What what would you point to as being the most important thing a job seeker should pay attention to when you're talking about your resume? You've hit a point that's really close to my uh to my heart. In fact, I, I just recently came out with a book called No Mistakes Resumes. And, and the whole focus really is getting rid of anything that could be viewed by the job screener, you know, the HR person as a mistake or as some reason to toss it in the trash. Right. That, that doesn't leave much. That leaves <laughs> your, your contact information, your education, and basically your work history. I think there are two really key factors that, you know, get you screened out. And one is people try to cover up work gaps. So in other words, if they missed a month or two because they were in between jobs, they they only list the years of their employment instead of the months and show that gap. Show that gap. Every HR person I know, if they see just years on a resume, they know exactly what's going on. They hmm. know you're trying to cover up a gap. So just don't try to cover it up. Just list it. Sure. You'll actually earn bonus points for doing that. <laughs> is that something then, I mean, we, we, we read things, we talk with people, the advice we may give out, is that something where you might address that in the cover letter if, if there was a legitimate reason for, for that gap or do you just I, I let it be? No, don't even do that. The cover letter and the resume, there are really only you know two purposes and that's to get you an interview. And so, so those two things, those two vehicles, you want to sell yourself on exactly what you can do to solve their problem, you know, to fit their job. Right. So the the resume should be almost all accomplishment oriented. Okay. And if they like that, you can explain why you had gaps when you get in the interview. Right. Well, yeah, I think that's the question people bring up is, is that going to eliminate me from even having that opportunity? And I guess to your point, if it's a couple months, it's probably different than if maybe it's been a year since they've had any job. Would that make a difference? Even then? if it's, you know, in this day and age, all HR people understand and realize that Anything can happen. It could have been the company moved or was bought out. It could have been they went under. Anything can happen to make a gap in work history. It's not like it was 30 years ago. Okay. So that isn't nearly as important to them as somebody trying to cover up those gaps. You know, then you're talking deception. Basically, you're talking lying. And that's something that they're, they're not going to hire somebody that they think is a, trying to deceive them. They have no problem hiring somebody that you know was unfortunate and got caught in a layoff or a shutdown or whatever. Interesting. Well, then when we go back to the resume and, and obviously some of the important aspects, do things like style, format, uh, you know, length, sentence structure. I mean, does all that matter a lot to you? Does it does it not matter as much as just what's there? What's sort of your take on all the the style and format ideas? Yeah, uh, that's actually I, I, I just did a post on that yesterday, but it's so it's important. But the more important part is to make your formatting so that you've got what I call good readability. In other words, don't try to cram it into one page. I know there's a lot of advice that says you have to have one page or two pages. You know, I say if you know you take as much space as you need, but by but be concise. 
But the thing is to make your resume readable. So don't get fancy. Plain Times New Roman or Arial font is fine. Keep it at a 11 or 12 point or 10 if you have to. You know, make sure it looks nice, but that's not the most important thing. As long as it's readable, as long as you're not hurting somebody's eyes to read it. Sure. Any other advice as far as the resume goes? That again, as someone who is looking over these and, and constantly, you know, analyzing what people are putting on there, any other item that you would really say you must do this to stand out? You must have this, or maybe a mistake that is just a killer for a lot of people. There, there are lots of mistakes that are killers. You want, to, you want to absolutely get some advice and help to look over the resume and make sure you don't have mistakes because people, an HR person might, if they're active and their company's hiring a lot of people, they might look at a hundred or a couple hundred of resumes right. a day. They get very tired of seeing mistakes. And, <laughs> and so maybe, maybe the first 10 or 20 they run across, you know, they, they still have a chance of getting in the pile. But after a while, it's like, okay, you know, and, the, and that one gets tossed in the trash. So it's important to not have mistakes. But I think the most important thing is to tailor each resume you send out to, specifically to that job opening and make sure your accomplishments reflect your skills that are relevant to that job. That's that's the most important thing. Forget responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You can be responsible for anything. You know, my teenage son was responsible for keeping his room clean, but he didn't do it. <laughs> now, if he would have accomplished that task, then he would put that <laughs> on the If he had accomplished right. that. Because that would, would be important. huge. Right. <laughs> what teenage male keeps their room clean? I mean, let's be honest. Exactly. If we jump back then a little bit to, I mean, obviously when you're catering your resume or cover letter to a, you know, a job posting or description, for yourself, when you're given a, a the task of finding someone, I mean, are you working off of any specific lists? I mean, I know you said that the employer sometimes doesn't really know what they need or want, but I mean, do you still have some sort of layout that you're given that you need to follow with this type of thing? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of times companies will, you know, they'll give you a job description, but but often that's a job description that might have been written a couple of years ago, and maybe they threw in a few sentences to update it. So we try to work real closely with them okay. to make sure that that job description is updated it's got all the pertinent information, and it's got the real, you know, requirements on there. Uh, but even with that, you know, the the ones you see posted online, they might not be up to date. So you have to right. dig deep and try to make sure that you know exactly what that company needs. A lot of that takes research, yeah. Right. Yeah, Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, that's the advice. I mean, you see that all the time, but I think sometimes people overlook that, the idea of digging deeper, as you as you put there. Now, when you are actually in the process of, of trying to find these candidates, I guess, can you let us know, how does that work? I mean, are you in direct contact with a lot of these individuals? Is it more just a go-between of you and, and your client? How does that whole process work in terms of headhunting and, and finding these candidates? Oh, sure. Well, the, the, first, the very first part, of course, is doing research on you know who might fit the job. And, and, and a lot of times that's working off of your database you've built over a number of years. Okay. Uh, but, then, but then it's basically getting on the phone and calling people and talking to them and you know, telling them about the opportunity you have and seeing if either they are interested or if not, if they can recommend someone. Hmm. And, and it's, a, it's a very you know, methodical process. Sure. Are there times where you know, a candidate out of the blue can contact a recruiter or a headhunter and, and work with them in that sort of opposite way? Is that something that happens? Maybe you contact them and, and they say, hey, can you can you keep me involved if something else pops up? How does that sort of relationship work? Absolutely. And, and in fact, I always suggest to people who are actively looking or even passively looking 
that they get in touch with a, a number of recruiters that they trust. So not just one, you know, get in touch with five or six or, you know, or more recruiters that you trust and, and you know, make sure that they keep things confidential and have them keep their eyes open for you. Sure. Have you seen that work uh, for yourself in terms of building maybe a relationship? And then you have that, as you said, a sort of a database when you need to, to find that right fit. Exactly. That That's where our databases come from. Yeah, that, that's a key part of, uh, you know, the whole recruiting process is having those contacts and, you know, those relationships where, you know, someone is looking for you, you understand what they're interested in. You know, somebody might call and say, you know, hey, I'm happy where I am, but uh, if you see something, especially in, you know, the Chicago area right. or Minneapolis area, that's in me, you know, let me know. And so so you, we make notes of all of that. And, you know, when we do our searches, we, of course, search the database first, and that's where those uh, names and information pops up. I think that's really great to hear. I mean, for the listeners, for the job seekers, especially out there to understand that there can be a relationship and it can it can work in a, a positive way on both sides of things. I think that's that's really cool to be able to hear that from somebody as yourself that has a lot of experience. Now, earlier, you talked about the idea of a fit, whether it be personality, you know, kind of fitting into the culture of a company. Have you seen that become a, a bigger priority than the skill side? Because as you said, you can sort of find somebody, anybody who's done this or that or has the experience, but has that fit and personality become almost bigger when you're on these searches? Yeah. Well, actually, I have always held that that, that's more important than the basic technical skills. Now, let me clarify that. You you know, you can't take, I'm not suggesting that uh, if you're an accountant, we can uh, train you to be an engineer. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But a lot of the requirements that companies put out are unnecessary. So, They'll say, I, I need uh, an engineer that has uh, experience in SolidWorks and has this and has that and has this. And, and, and a lot of those extras they throw on are additional skills that can be learned. You, you can send them to a training class. You can, you know, they can do some courses. And I'd much rather take somebody who's got uh, enthusiasm, drive, you know, a good, strong, you know, likable personality and is willing to learn if they don't have those other skills. As long as they've got the basics on the technical side, the rest of it, those people can learn. And and I think companies are finally realizing as they as they grow and they, they experience trouble within the departments, you know, conflicts and people not getting along, they're starting to say, okay, wait a minute, I don't need this headache. I'm going to start looking for teams and and we'll train them in what you know they don't have. Okay. So let's say you're looking, you know, at some candidates. Obviously, I think it's hard to gauge what they might be like just by looking at a resume or even their cover letter. So do you get a feel for that talking to them over on the phone perhaps before they even were to come in for an interview? Oh yeah, okay. we uh, we definitely talk to them extensively on the phone if, you know, if they're local or if it's a very senior level search, we'll, you know, go out and interview with okay. them. And, and then also, if it gets really close, if the clients are interested and we think they're a great fit, we you know we then ask for some references and and do some reference checking as well. Sure. So it's a um, it, it's a pre-screening process that's pretty uh, pretty intense. You know, prior to them even getting to the company. Right. And again, I think great advice just for the job seeker in general that you're putting out there is the idea that you know you need to research the company to know if you are that fit personality-wise. And obviously, you, you brought things up like enthusiasm and drive and, and, and in general, but as you talked about, employers want to know that they have people that can work together and, and you know be a team. So I think that's, that's great sort of general advice for our listeners as well. 
if we go back again um, to the idea of, of the documents that are involved, yeah, resume, cover letter, with the idea of the cover letter, as you said, these are your opportunities to sort of sell yourself and really put yourself in the best light. Is there a best way that you utilize that cover letter? In your opinion, how do you, what exactly do you put in there? I mean, you don't want to copy what your resume says, but do you tell a story? Do you, do you try to incorporate something else? I mean, what, what do you see works best when someone's writing their cover letter? Sure. Good question, Tim. So I like to use this uh, analogy. So the, the resume is your basics. It tells uh, what you've accomplished uh, as it relates to that job. So if you, if you think of a house, the, the resume is like the, the foundation. It's the rock solid, you know, the concrete and the walls. The cover letter is like the, the kitchens and bathrooms. And as you know, real estate people will tell you that's what sells a house. And, and that's what sells your resume is your cover letter. It doesn't have to be long. It should be short. It should be one page, maybe a page and a half maximum. It should consist of three definite parts. The very short paragraph for the introduction that, that basically will address the person you're sending it to and, of course, address them by name, you know, and tells, you know, mentions what job you're talking about and why you're a fit. And then the, the second part is the key one. That's the sell is what I call it. And it should be a paragraph or two that basically will tell them something that's not on your resume, something right. that maybe didn't fit, you know, as a definite part of the resume. And then, and then you close it up in a short third paragraph. And, and that's what you use to be a persuasive vehicle to sell yourself. <laughs> all right, good. Great, great practical advice for all of our listeners, obviously there. Now, what are some other strategies or pieces of advice maybe you'd be able to offer um, to those job seekers? And maybe in terms of catching the eye of someone, uh, we did talk about obviously um, having that relationship with the recruiter would be a, a great step. Um, any other pieces of advice you could offer up? Absolutely. Uh, no matter what level you are at, uh, have a good profile on LinkedIn. Hmm. LinkedIn has become the premier place for not only recruiters, but companies who are looking for talent. And a lot of times they'll be scouring LinkedIn and looking at your profile without you even knowing it, of course. And it needs to be professional, uh, needs to tell you know what you've done in terms of accomplishments. And all other forms of social media, make sure you keep them clean. In other words, don't don't put anything out there that you wouldn't want a prospective employer to see. But overall, you do see the social media forums, I mean, including maybe Facebook and Twitter. You do see those as useful and helpful, both as a recruiter and a job seeker. Absolutely. Especially for, you know, the networking. Right. Networking will get you more jobs than anything else. And those are all, you know, phenomenal forms of networking. Again, a nice, helpful tip there for our listeners. Uh, of course, as with yourself, there are plenty of other experts out there that maybe think they know exactly what the right answer is or, or what really works out the best in terms of the job search. Are there any things out there that you hear that are common that you see are maybe irrelevant, maybe the advice is inaccurate or just incorrect, uh, just things that sort of pop up or, you know, myths, myths kind of, uh, you know, get popular and then they just stick around forever. Are there any of those items that are out there that you would like to sort of redirect the job seekers away from? Uh, yeah, probably if I had to pick one, it, it, it's a key one that uh, happens in almost every interview. And that that's what's called the weakness question. Almost any interview a person goes to somebody or even several people will ask them what's your greatest weakness or what areas do you need to improve the most or something mm -hmm. to that effect. And there has been an awful lot of uh, uh, experts or so-called experts who have advised to 
try to uh, cover that up or try to misdirect right. it or you know pass off a strength as the weakness and and that's the absolute wrong thing to do i mean every single hr person i know and every recruiter i know they understand that every person has a weakness you know they understand they have them and so everybody so what they want to do is to hear what you think is your weakness and what they really want to hear is how you have uh, improved that or what steps you're taking to improve that. They really want to hear your answer. They don't really care what your weakness <laughs> is. They just want to see how you answer that question. That's exactly right. I mean, as far as the ideas and the advice that's out there around that, that's definitely a hot topic all the time with the interview. Uh, you know, Jim, I've definitely appreciated your insight and your uh, just your candor with a lot of these subjects. I, we always leave our guests... Um, the opportunity to give our listeners a takeaway from the whole conversation in terms of, again, we're kind of getting your perspective as a headhunter and what uh, what recruiters might really be looking for. What would be the best thing that all of our listeners could take away from this conversation that you can leave them with? Well, I, I think the most important thing is that you know a job's a, a huge part of your life and, and it deserves special time to make sure that you get it right you know, that the fit is right for both the person and the company. So no matter what job you're looking at, uh, get some help and advice and, you know, don't be afraid to talk to people, whether it's a, a recruiter, a, a friend, a, a spouse or whatever, and use common sense. You, you know, don't, uh, no company is perfect. So, you know, if they seem perfect, dig a little deeper and find out. You don't want to get into a bad situation. All right, Jim, with that, we will have to bring our job search guide to a close today. Hopefully, we have been able to tweak our listeners' perspectives a bit on what employers and recruiters and headhunters, whatever you want to call them, are all interested in seeing in these job seekers. Our expert guest on the topic has been Jim Jim Mateo, a longtime headhunter and, of course, an individual with some great inside knowledge for us today. Thanks for coming on the show, Jim. You bet, Tim. Thanks for having me. And you can actually find out more about Jim and his work also at nomistakes.org. Plenty of information there. And you can also uh, uh, see what other things he's up to on that website. Of course, we'd love to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.